Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, for every one biopic announced about a man, we do five about a woman. The funniest tweets from women this week is the only article you need to click on. Yes, it is. And Alec Baldwin stops defending Woody Allen. Finally. God. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Good morning. Morning. How's it going, Diana? I'm doing well. How are you, Erin? I'm good. I was. It's a little sluggish, you know, getting up, getting out of bed, but it's gorgeous here in New York. It's like 40-ish oh. degrees. It's like bright and light and kind of warm out. Spring has for sprung. this cold time of year. <laughs> for Usually this, for this winter season, we kind of get dipping out of like it being too cold to leave the house and like being freezing and every time I have to run to the post office to like ship a DVD or a Blu-ray. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I know. I went to Dallas um, a couple weeks ago and it was sunny there and, and it was spring. Like it was just really nice. Yeah. And I felt like a lizard on a rock with the sun. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I am so there it starved is, my old for friend. vitamin D. Like I, I think everyone I was with just thought I was a psychopath. So I was like, let's go outside. Like, let's walk. Like, let's be in the sun. And they were all like, are you insane? Yeah, there's such a joy to being outside when it starts getting warm. Yeah. And being warm. Yeah, the sun is everything. What's Dallas like? Dallas is a lot like Calgary, um, which is where I'm from. And <laughs> it's interesting. I So my husband's family lives in Denton, which is just outside of Dallas. It's where the it's where the college is. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. It's like just very suburban. It's very like um, his parents' house is so gorgeous. And his mom um, has a whole bunch of like Pakistani and Saudi Arabian art in the house. Cool. Yeah. So it's like very warm, like all jewel tones. I love yes. it. I love it. Um, and I love going there because we're just taken care of, you know, his, yeah. like, his parents love going the house. Going home is always so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... You know, you wake up in the morning and like you don't really need to be anywhere and nobody has a plan for the day and it's just so slow and I didn't realize, especially on this trip, I didn't realize how much I needed to just slow down and we don't realize sometimes how fast we go in life and I think that there's a lot to be said for just letting yourself be taken care of for a few days. Totally. I love it. Yeah. Um, Are men wearing cowboy boots and hats and stuff? Are we? Is Dallas a little bit more metro-y? It's more metro. I uh-huh. think that's more um, the Houston vibe mm-hmm. and Austin, certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dallas is just very, there are a lot of huge corporations based there now that kind of got out of Silicon Valley, got out of New York and headquartered themselves in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, different kind of vibe, but I love it. Makes sense though, because there's a lot of big money down there too mm-hmm. for investors and things like that. It would kind of make sense to be a startup hub. Yeah. Because oil and energy, like having all those things kind of naturally be their high net worth people that you can kind of, that's what startup communities really thrive off of. Totally. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe. And the population of Dallas is really young. So it it's like a blue city and it's very um, on the up and up. Cool. Yeah. I feel like I recently went to like Oklahoma City not too long ago and my grandparents are from Lawn, which is like the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And uh, my grandma's from Amarillo, but I feel like Dallas is, I don't think I've really spent a lot of time. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, it's cool. You should get a screening down there. 
Yeah, someone bring me down. <laughs> um, bring me down. You have a lot of pieces of paper in front of you. I know. I'm like, I was saying, I feel like a late night host with like my check boxes. I just need like a pencil I can lick like David Letterman. Yeah. That'll be good to go. Did you watch his Netflix special? You know, I texted my dad. He's like obsessed with Letterman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, me and Tyler have already seen it. And I was like, okay, great. Like, thanks, my brother, for like <laughs> making sure my dad's media is being covered. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched his interview with Obama. Um, Obama. Obama. He's so in his element. Both of them mm-hmm. are just the top of the top um, of everything, really. And it's a great conversation. I'm just kind of confused. I don't have a love for David Letterman. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hold no. I don't feel any way to about watch him. his television program every day of your life. I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't really. He keeps like talking about how he was fired. And Obama gets some good jabs in about like, well, I I wasn't fired out of my office. Like I David Letterman feels like he was fired. He was fired. Oh, he was? He was. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I kind of don't I don't get why he's back. And I was trying to talk I was trying to like kind of pick some feminist fights with a few people about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Feministing your Wednesday. I was feministing my Wednesday and people weren't letting me. So I maybe need to just put that put that dog out of the fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. His second guest is George Clooney and I haven't watched that episode yet. Interesting. Kent, are you watching it? I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but not for any good reason. Just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's kind of rush. how I feel about it. It's there. I, I'll probably tune in. Yeah. yeah. Although I did hear a funny story that the only reason Cher went on David Letterman is because she got them to pay her hotel bill. She owed like she 20, hates David Letterman. She owed like twenty eight thousand dollars. She was like living out of a hotel in Vegas or something, and she was like, "Yeah, I'll go on if you guys put this bill." And this was like in the very beginning of her career. Yeah, they got into a huge fight on air. Yeah, they don't like each other. No, I'm Team Share. I gotta I'd say, I'd almost. Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'd almost prefer this to be a podcast. To be honest with you, yes, 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 yes. I'm, it feels a little self indulgent that it's this huge Netflix series. Yeah, but whatever. That's what these people do. Right. Interesting. <laughs> I still am fast. I can't believe he got fired. That was a narrative my father did not share with us, I guess. Fair enough. Pick and choose it. Yeah. We can't let the idols fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what have you been watching? What have you been digging into lately? What's uh, what's on your radar? So Umer and I finished Sex in the City. I made him rewatch the entire series, minus the two movies. Yeah. We haven't done the movies yet. Um, but he watched the entire series. So I, in a reciprocal act, am now watching Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. which is a USA show. And I love it. We're on, we're like halfway through season two. And it, I got to say, I would not, I would not love it if I weren't watching it with him because he, that's his Carrie Bradshaw, like mm-hmm. <laughs> Remy Malik's character. He's a great actor. Yes, he's phenomenal, and he's so believable. Did and he win the? Did he win an Emmy for that? He role? did. He won. A, he won the Golden Globe for it, I believe. Yes, thank you. Um. So yeah, it's been really. It's a show I would not otherwise get into. I don't really have any inherent interest in hacker culture or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I've really enjoyed it. It's not something that I would typically watch. Yeah, I watched the first season. Sal's really into like, uh, sci-fi, apocalyptic kind of that whole vibe and energy. Um, but I just couldn't, I don't know, I couldn't really commit to being in love with any of the characters. 
and it felt like a little bit all over the place. And I felt like, who's the white man that's in it who plays like the old Christian Slater? I feel like he was totally miscast. Like, I don't believe him. I don't under, I, I don't like his <laughs> fingerless gloves. I'm like, oh, who styled him? It just, it feels like such a caricature of mm. something or I don't know. Not wasn't a fan. Kind of dipped out of it. Yeah, I I was not on board with Christian Slater at the beginning because he's just Christian Slater to me and everything he does. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like sunk into that character though. Like I I I started to really like it, especially when they amped up. I think up. he's a good actor. I think he's doing like he's selling it. He's really yeah. trying. But I think again, there it's such a stick figure role that he like can't. It's yeah, almost the writing or something. Yeah, and the women in it. I love the women in it. I love like Angela and Darlene um, and Tyrell's wife. I feel I think like they're like, also kind of caricatures of like, oh, no, they pull off like the big hat. Like they in season two, they all just like step up. And yeah. it's like they at the beginning, I was so annoyed with Darlene because she felt like a caricature to me and they felt like they hadn't written her mm-hmm. a character. Right. Um, but then it's like you kind of learn that she's actually the one pulling all of this forward because Elliot is so unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's the one pulling all of this forward and she knows what's going on with everything. She's just really impulsive and really kind of reactionary because nobody really sees her. Mm. So she's constantly feeling this need to prove her worth as opposed to them just like opening up space for her to do the work. Okay. And it's really interesting. It takes a little bit. The show takes like a little bit or it did for me to settle into, but I'm on board now. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your... That's review my, of it. It's my Mr. Robot recap. Amazing. What are you watching? Um, you know, I watched Grace and Frankie. Yeah. I really liked it. I think it's a fun show. Um I didn't realize Peter Gallagher was on it. Yeah, get information. I don't watch it. But I love Peter Gallagher, so I might have to so great dive in now. Um, want to give a shout out to Katie Couric because her Instagram stories, Andy Cohen better watch out because she is on fire. Katie Couric has my heart. If she's I could work awesome. for one person in this world, I would work for Katie Couric. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. And her Olympics coverage is to die for. Also, I have fallen into a deep rabbit hole with Riverdale. A deep, deep hole. Tell me about it. You know, people had been talking about it here or there. And so I said, let me, de- let me slip into this and see how it feels. And well, let me tell you, season one, the glove fits. It is. <laughs> I have not seen a teen romance like Betty and Jughead since Corey Matthews and Topanga. I mean, wow. I am all in with their relationship. With their, I think all these kids should win Oscars. <gasps> like they're, the acting that they and the commitment that they bring to this role is phenomenal. And season one, I think, is Gossip Girl level um oc level like it is fun the styling is great so these kids should win academy awards with the tv show that they're acting on yep yes that's how good i think it is wow really obsessed did you watch all of like all of the oc all of gossip girl like you were on board actually i think i dropped off of gossip girl towards the end i dropped off of both of them towards the end because I feel like OC, I did watch. I watched all of I it. I want to say I did watch all of the OC. Yeah, but I pretend the last season doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, you know, how these things go. Yeah. However, I will say with a heavy heart, you know, after we've set up this beautiful, like, Riverdale love fest. I'm nervous. Season two. Oh. Is 
exactly that. It's oh, a, no. Oh, they really, they put it in front of us. They laid the foundation. They set the scene. And then they just pull it all away. No they way. jump the shark so fast. It's like you want to pull your eyeballs out. Like if you get so, I mean, so mad. And I'm still watching. I'm still up to date. I've mm-hmm. got it all. I'm I'm staying tuned in. I'm I'm there for the relationship. I'm interested in Betty's mom because she's crazy. Um, but oh my god, it's like a mess. I can't believe they did this to us. Did the writing fall off? Did the acting fall off? So did the, the production first, fall off? The first season is like there's a murder. Yeah. Nobody knows who did it, and like it's like the Scooby Doo. Like the kids figure it out, and it's such a joy between like it being fast paced like a little bit scary with like these kids are just teenagers they're hanging out at a diner you know they're all gorgeous like the styling is really fun um you know the romance is interesting it's like just sexy enough and then season two they drop in on like first of all there's two murder situations they couldn't even fill the, the whole season with one murder case oh no. so it's like it's almost like they did one murder then once the kids solve it, then they start another. Like, it's kind of like, and they throw all of this energy on Betty's character. Like, she becomes the serial killer, like, spoiler alert, is calling her. And, like, they're having these conversations. She's got to, like, distance herself from her friends because she's trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. And it went from being, like, this light, fun, murder mystery, cute, you know, like, a little bit lit to, like, this dark. They really just went there with it. And it's, like... So it's, like, too dark. It's, like, Trump's America. You know how this happened with Search Party, too, where it was, like, they had something so light and bubbly and fun, and then they go, well, now we're in Trump's America, and we got to go dark. And Mm. it's, like, no, we need to go light still. (laughs) Like, we don't need – we're already surrounded with drama. We don't need to, like, have these poor teenagers, like, falling under, like, trauma. It just (laughs) – Ken, have you ever seen any of the Riverdale? I've seen the first, uh, I think, two episodes, and I liked what I saw. Yeah. Again, uh, just uh, I think I just had too many other things to watch. Mm-hmm. I think I think I try to get through. I have such a cache of movies that I need to watch first, and I yeah. think I try and crack through those before I get into TV shows. But I've heard incredible things about Riverdale, and your gushing is not anything different. Season one, though, only, guys. I'm so sad about season two. I feel like they almost need to wrap it up, scratch it, and then start over with these people. Yeah. it's It breaks my heart because I feel like they really had something. Well, I'm going to watch season one, and then we can talk about it. Because the I cool thing, like- too, is like even with Jughead's character, it's like he's like a good kid, and he's like the computer nerd. He's like that kind of cliche, like on the outskirts. Like is homeless at one point, and it, like ugh, just your bra- your heart is breaking. Like he's doing his best, you know. His dad's in a gang, and then you like it's so good their their reveal, and then at the end of season one, he puts on his serpent jack like leather jacket, which is like teen like heartthrob to die for when you see him throw this leather jacket on. And we're like, oh, and <laughs> but then they, again, like in the second season, now he's a drug mule, and like. Instead of the slow build of like, let's see where these characters go. Let's see how these, how far these kids can go as they're growing older. And they just drop him right into the gang. And now he's like the leader of the gang. And it's like, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we did not do the work to get to point, from 80 to, to 60. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't like it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll watch season one and I can 
deep dive it with you because I've heard great things from I mean, people I would not expect to love this show. So I know everyone's watching it. Everyone's watching it. I thought it was like we. I was like, oh boy, I'm watching a CW show, which is not below me to watch it or get into. Me. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, you need to be watching. But this then show. other people, like older people, like everyone's watching, and I was like, oh okay, I guess this is everybody's in. Yep, definitely so, loving it. You go see any movies lately? Um, have I seen any movies lately? I did see Shape of Water. <laughs> I have so I know Shape of Water is a movie that exists. So I know that you guys like really liked it. Yeah. And I was kind of like not into it. Yeah. And then I saw this director's roundtable with Guillermo del Toro and um Jul Oh my god, what's her name? Who? Brad Pitt's ex wife. Angelina Jolie. Thank you. I was thinking of Julie. I like Julie. inverted their brains. Um, and Greta Garwick and Patty Jenkins. And it's what a round table. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, get put that on your queue. Yeah. Hollywood what, round, Hollywood reporter round tables are always amazing. And with the directors, I just, that was so delightful. And anyway, just hearing him talk about what the film meant to him and how he puts himself into these pieces. And it changed my view of the film, which you know, I know is probably not fair, I guess, to know like the whole backstory, but I just, I, I, it softened me to what he was trying to do and the heart that he put into it. And that really, I felt more into it. Mm -hmm. So what changed? What did you feel? And then seeing him speak about it, you either capitulated or you changed your mind on? I don't know. I just, I feel like when I saw it, I thought it was like a bit you know, I felt like we knew it was going to happen as the plot moved forward. I felt like, of course, they're going to fall in love. Of course, she's going to rescue him. Of course, it just kind of felt like the pieces all um, were too in place for me. And I, I think that they gave so much space to that, you know, male um, villain character. I thought he had way too many soliloquies. I thought that was like a bit exhausting. It was pulling the plot away from the main characters um Octavia Spencer was really phenomenal in it but I don't know I think hearing him talk about how we as directors are sharing where we're at in a moment and where we're at in a time and place and I just I don't know there was such sensitivity and such love given to the conversation and to the way he viewed the work that I just I think I just appreciated as a creator of like they didn't just do this to do this like this was truly like where he was in his time and place and I don't know I just felt very connected to his process and I felt very almost very seen and like oh yeah I get it I mm. get you know where you're coming from or why you're producing that way or you know so it was not even like t um like a technical thing I think it was more of like an emotional shift right but before this but before hearing him say all that stuff you it, it didn't resonate really I just thought did you when you when you first saw it? You did you know that there, this was like a very acclaimed, spoken about movie? Well, I'm really like into Pan's Labyrinth, and so I think I had sky high expectations for the crazy shit we were gonna get into in the movie. Right, and I felt like this felt very commercial to me of what he's capable of doing. Sure, okay, so that's fair because it's fair that you feel that way, but also unfair to the movie because you have expectations of this other thing and. That's not really what the movie's trying to be. Sure, yeah. But you can't shake them in your subjective view. I mean, I think, it. yeah, it's one of the things that I really loved about Shape of Water mm. was that the fish, um, does he have a name? The fish man? Jim Fishman. <laughs> that was his name. 
I don't believe he did. Jim Fishman. Jim the Fishman. creature is what I, he's called. The creature. I loved that he had like these mystical powers. And I was like, ooh. And I, you know what I wanted to see? I wanted to see a whole flashback scene of him being the king and him being in this mystical world and like his powers and like his, I wanted to see him. I, I felt uninvested in him as a character and as a creature. You know, we got her, we got her whole story, loved her relationship with her neighbor. Great, great, great. Um, but I, I felt like I wasn't in love with him. And so I wasn't really in love with their love story. And I wanted maybe more base, more history. Hmm. Like he's a god. Like we see him like put that cat back together. Yeah. You know, like what mystery and what like there's a whole world there that like we could have seen or and I would have loved to kind of maybe dip into that a little bit. I kind of like that he didn't do that because then, then it just leaves it like truly like in your mind because it's obviously all there. Mm-hmm. Like the suggestion is there and it's just kind of up to everyone to decide. Like, cause then, cause then if he does something like that, it gets into the realm of like, kind of like almost like we, we see so many like superhero movie type things where like we see origin stories and things like that, you know? So I kind of like that, like the suggestion of that was there and the supernatural ability of him like he's ostensibly a superhero type figure, yeah. But it is not played at that as all. In fact, it is like a side thing that he has these powers, and I think I kind of like that. And I I don't know if you mentioned it there, but I wonder if it's he like intentionally downplayed it because there is so much of this stuff like in movies that we see these days, and it's not about him; it's about the humans that interact with him. You know. Well, I wonder too if like that's me bringing in the Pan's Labyrinth of knowing like, ooh, we could have had a mystical world, and ooh, we could have dipped into that. Because knowing, you know, what Guillermo is capable of doing in that space, like, I wanted a little bit more of that him, and maybe he's moved on, and maybe he's doing, wants to do other stuff. I also think it wouldn't necessarily serve the love story, because if we saw him being the king and, like, in his, like, power and seeing all of his mystical brilliance in a mm-hmm. flashback, then I almost wonder if it taints the love story a bit, because it's like, does she, she loved him because of the connection she had to him. Because he's a fish. Because he's a fish. <laughs> And I wonder if, um, I think that makes it more pure and it makes it more honest. All right, guys. (laughs) I get it. I hear you. (laughs) I wanted it to be a different version of Pan's Labyrinth than it was in. And maybe that's on me. It is. It totally is. It is unfair to to Guillermo and Jim Jim Fishman. I'm like obsessed with him now. I feel like he was so sweet talking about like his process. Yeah. And also Angelina Jolie tells this like incredible story about filming in Cambodia. What? Yes. First they and killed blowing. my father. Did and you blo- watch it? No. Is it so good? No. <laughs> okay. Well, she blows up like a tree or something yeah. and everybody in the forest starts crying and she's like, oh, fuck. So then they do this whole ceremony. I think it's like a Buddhist ceremony. Mm-hmm. They like, you know, give thanks for being there and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, we got to shut down the set and like, this this is a wrong we need to make right. I loved hearing about that. Yeah, I watched First They Killed My Father because of that interview, because Ooh. of the response she gave to that question, because mm-hmm. she talks about how she wasn't sure, because her son is from adopted from Cambodia. Right, right. And um, she wanted to tell the history of that period of time that she gets into in the film. And she said, I don't feel like I'm the right person to tell this story. Like, I'm a white woman. I'm an mm-hmm. American white woman who's upper class like totally. to the hilt and I'm a gajillionaire and like I'm an outsider in every way and she talked about how like in going back to Cambodia so many times um, over the course of her life she's talked to so many people and seen the effects of what happened mm-hmm. in the war with Vietnam and um, 
she said like it just kept like keeping her up at night. It just when well, she wanted like, her son to know his history, and she wanted her son to know his history. And she talks about how like okay, well, I I have the means to make this, so like I'm gonna make it, but mm-hmm. I want to make it as culturally sensitive as absolute humanly possible. Yeah. Um. So it actually had like it made me like have a lot of respect for her as a filmmaker to hear her say like she reluctantly took it on, mm-hmm. um, but she was passionate about the content. And that is a really cool way to come to a project. It's something we don't often hear about from like the Hollywood types who are yeah. like, I'm the one to make this and I'm the highest bidder and also, it's all I, ego. I love that they put her in that conversation. Yeah. You know, she's directed four or five films. And I was like, damn, Angelina, like we're sleeping on her. Like she's doing the work. She's like, you know, still continuing to be such a movie star. And I I feel like I have saw her in a totally different space, which I really liked. Yeah, we've not seen her. We are, yeah, we she continue. She doesn't really embody that. Well, or we continue speak. just not let her see, like not let her be a filmmaker. Correct. Yeah. Um, but the film itself, I don't know. It's it's parts of it are absolutely beautifully done. It's from the point of view of a really little girl mm-hmm. who goes to the work camps and is. Um, it's about that whole process. Seems and like a sad movie. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, but. The photography, whoever her director of photography is, no. Oh, it's like I would think if you're in the forest and yeah. the greens, I could just. It could have. I don't know. There's just a piece of it to me that just felt a little made a weird choice. Yeah, I think she was a little in her head about it, to be okay. honest. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching. It's an inc- it's an incredible achievement of a film because mm-hmm. just of what it's showing and how it was told and how she directed it is really interesting. Also, the director of Blade Runner is on that uh, round table. And I just kept giggling. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you giggling? Because I hated that movie so uh, much. But you was... liked Arrival. Yeah. I did like Arrival. Same director. I loved Arrival. Well, it's funny. He was talking about it and he was like, the movie meant so much to him that he's like, if anybody's going to fuck it up, it's going to be me. Like, I'm just going to take on that space. There's a certain, like, I kind of love that. I kind of love that just, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how this goes. Yeah. That's kind of great. Yeah, well. Yeah, I love this We all do our reporters. best, you know. The only thing that's weird, a weird choice they made with the Hollywood Report around tables is that the supporting actors one um, was done with an audience. Mm-hmm. And it totally changes the vibe of the way they answer the questions because in the roundtables where it's just them in a room, yeah. they're much more candid mm-hmm. and they're much more willing to like say things that are not popular. Despite the fact that it's going to be posted everywhere, mm-hmm. they're still very, there's a little bit more in the moment reaction that happens. And they put, a, they put like a studio audience with them in, in a couple of the new ones. And it's like so clean. Yeah. It's just very like sanitized. Mm-hmm. And... It was kind of disappointing. And then you read like all the comments on YouTube and everyone's like, get rid of the studio audience. Like, why is this even happening? I, feel like I could spend days watching those. I'm obsessed. Interviews. Do you ever deep dive on those, Kent? Sometimes. Yeah, they're great. They do a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, yeah you could just put it on, let it go. <laughs> they're just so inspiring because it's just like these incredible creators who are coming together and like. Well, they're talking about the craft. I feel like yeah. so much of it is talking about like the. I don't know. I like the the conversations that they have around actually the process of and like even with the actors on actors, like they're actually talking about the work of it. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because I think so many press interviews with celebrities and stuff is a little bit light. And it's like, no, I want to know like how they did it and how long and what the, you know, pain points are and what the process is. And so it's really cool to hear those stories. Totally. 
I love it. Um, another great kind of conversation, you know, RuPaul and Oprah chatting on Super yes. Soul sessions Sunday. Super Soul sessions. conversations. Super Soul conversations. Gosh, a lot of Super Soul. Lots of. And on. also, um, her conversation with Maya Angelou, not to be missed. I haven't listened to it yet. I. It's to die for. I feel a little maxed out on. Oprah. The Maya Angelou Oprah. Uh, don't be okay because it's so good. Do they say things they haven't already said? I don't know. You be the judge. Okay. I thought I'll it was great. It. She has a book. Do you know that she has this, the mad, or the, it's like the value of Sundays or something, and it's all of the wisdom from her super soul, everything. Uh, Yeah, because Oprah sent it to me. And I'm buying it. Oprah sent it to you. Hell yeah, she did. Can I borrow it? Absolutely. The wisdom of Sundays. Yeah, it's sitting in my room. I love. With a little note from O herself. Does she sign it? It's a photocopy. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Aaron, <laughs> she's writing out. I know that you've her, read a podcast called her. Yeah, she sent us all the super solars. That's amazing. So I got a little. Of course, you got one. I got a little pre-copy. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, also, she's in conversation with Janet Mock, mm-hmm. and I cried. She talks about her relationship with her partner Mm-mm. and being seen as a trans woman. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I really liked. I'm obsessed I- with Janet Mock. I haven't really deep dove her yet, but I want to. Yeah. I mean, the pod, her podcast for me, she really like, it starts slow. Mm-hmm. She's really figuring it out. And then it really just blossoms. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to Kris Jenner. She's talking to Beyonce's mom. Like, she, she's going for the gold. Yeah. And we start to see her personality more and more and more, and it's just a delight. That's so cool. Good for her. Yeah. I really love when she describes her morning routine on Super Soul. Well, who does? does? Janet Mock. Why? She talks at the beginning of one of the episodes about how she like spends her mornings and it's just like journal, coffee, pen. Oh my God, we have to talk about tarot cards. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of readings lately. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I am like, I'm like so, I'm like all in. Like all in. What's your process with it? Okay, everybody needs to get a deck and everyone needs to get a deck that speaks to them. There's like hundreds of different kinds of like art and cards and, you know, there's classic, there's all these different types. And um, I have, like, an art deco. It's, like, really beautiful, like, lavenders and, like, really, like, rich imagery. It, it feels like a little, like, Greco-Roman. Um, and I have a little book that, like, tells me what the cards mean, basically. And every day, or I've been trying to, like, build this into my routine of, you know, a five to ten minute meditation, pull a card, and then journal about whatever it is. And I'm documenting what cards I get when. So I can kind of, like, it's so funny, like, You'll pull a card and you're like, okay, like I'm feeling that or whatever. And then like you'll middle of the day, you'll be like, oh my God. And you'll go back to the card and be like, fuck, like this is, this was the reading it was trying to give me. Um, so it's been so, Ken's laughing at me. <laughs> it's been so fun. And then on Fridays I do a past, present, future where you kind of like dial into like what the full picture is. And I posted a photo of it on Instagram. And one of my Instagram followers was like, you need to call me. Oh, my God. And I was like, let's do it. And so she walked (laughs) me through, like, how your cards can also be in conversation with each other Mm. and how to, like, pick up on the symbolism of it. Um, Yeah. And I find it's just, like, so fun. And it's, it's so spooky, like, how on it is. Like, it's wild. It's great. I love it. I'm so into it. I love it. It's very fun. Did you get a new journal to start this tarot card? 
section? I got a journal when we were doing our intention setting. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to try to build this in a little bit more because I hadn't had a really regular journaling routine practice. Yeah. Um, and so I did get a new one back in the new year to kind of just start fresh and, you know. So exciting. Yeah, so. Yeah, I live for all your posts on Instagram about what your cards are saying. Oh, boy. Yesterday I got like a death and the tower, which is like a tower that's um, on fire and people are jumping out of it. And I was like, So you knew you were going to have a good week. I was like, fuck. <laughs> it's like destruction and rebirth. Mm. You know, none of they, they always say like, none of the cards are bad. Even if you get the death one, like. Well, it's light and dark of everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. Um, very exciting it is really exciting I love it anything else going on in your list um no I feel like I'm kind of I've been moving and getting married and just in a lot of transitory states so yeah I feel like you, I'm a little are bit you behind. totally moved out or what's going on yes you're totally out of Park Slope close <laughs> still have a few straggling bags but we're yeah. getting there it just takes time my dad was in town and he helped me take the dresser from Park Slope to Bedsty, which was literally the biggest help of my life yeah I was like you know when you have a big project just, just looming yeah and yeah. it's like you know I have my dad who's six foot four and like not exactly pathetic when it comes to moving <laughs> things I was like the night before we were going I'm just like okay what do like how much does a new XL cost because we're in New York so it's like we have to figure this out somehow yeah and my dad literally <laughs> he literally just like picked the thing up and like put it downstairs and I was like behind him carrying drawers, and I was like, "Wait up for me!" <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's a process. Uber XLs are giant. Yeah, he was not thrilled that we were bringing a dresser into it, but I was also oh, really? like, so "For Dream Girl, because I don't have a car, we would rent yeah. Uber XLs, and they'd have to sit there for forty five minutes while we loaded up the whole thing, like they top angry to with bottom, you? with C stands and flights and fucking everything. And I used to pay like a what are they called? Those rabbits? Like you ever?" Mm-hmm. I would, like, pay a man to come and, like, help me carry shit for, like, an hour. (laughs) This is how the dream works, people. Yep. But those Uber XLs, I feel like we would not. And some of them were so kind to us. Yeah. And, like, so helpful in, like, figuring it out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We have, like, literally, like, six or seven, you know, things of equipment. I know. Yeah. I mean, we had nothing, but it was just the size of the... The size of the dresser yeah, made yeah. it such. But yeah, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm behind, I'm not behind on movies. I'm in a good place, but I haven't been to a movie in a bit. So it's nice to be kind of diving into Netflix and all of the home stuff. Cool. Yes. Um, I have a little PSA on a more serious note um, about a situation that happened to me about maybe two weeks ago. You know where I'm going with this? I know where you're going with this. Um, so Sal and I were on the way to Westchester Dinner Theater to the Bronx when a man sat across from me and pulled out his penis and was masturbating in front of me and and Sal. And it was so wild because, you know, when like a creep gets on the train and you can just like feel it in your bones and you're like, I got to like watch out for that person. Mm -hmm. He was really like gesturing and like posturing over us at one point. And usually when that kind of stuff happens, like you ignore it and it goes away. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up sitting across from us. So I noticed him for many trains before. And then like we're sitting there and like the train is totally emptied out on the way to the Bronx. And Sal and I are like in a deep conversation about like God knows what. And I just out of like the corner of my eye, I'm like, Oh God, something like you, I just knew. And I looked over and saw this man's dick. And then 
immediately bolted up and ran <laughs> to the end of the car, yeah. leaving my husband sitting there. And then he's looking at me and I'm like, get over here. Yeah. Because he's like, what are you doing? He thought I was taking a picture or something for Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, get the fuck over here. And he came over and then the train doors open and I got out and just was like shaking because yeah. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? I feel so violated. This is disgusting. I just saw this man's like dick. Um, and like Sal was freaking out and it was like this whole thing. And we're like four stop train stops away from being at his parents' house. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have to make a decision about how we're going to deal with this. We're going to like compartmentalize and like pretend this never happened or we're going to have to deal with it. And, um, I was also like, what are the rules here? Like, is like, is this illegal? Like, what do I do? Are we supposed to report it? Yeah. Um, and so I actually Googled it and they were like, you should take a picture of whoever the person is. And I'm thinking in my brain, like, who the f- – and Sal was with me. So I was like, well, you can go take a picture of this man. Like, I'm not getting back on that train. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so, like, what superheroes of women that, like, have the brain space who are like, oh, I should document this. Yeah. Because I brain- – that I'm a, fl- I'm a flight person. I know this about myself. Um, so anyway, we went to dinner theater – Blah, blah, blah. The next day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to report it. I went on MTA's website. There's a space for you, a link for you to be able to report it. Um, And I actually got a call from the NYPD, and they have a whole special units victims space for transit. Um, They had me come into the station. I looked through six binders of sex offenders and phone photos of, like, men, you know, jerking off and whatever have you. but I met with the detective and, you know, I was like, I'm old enough that I feel like I can report this. I feel like I can talk about it confidently. I'm not going to feel weird or judged or questioned if, you know, I don't know. I was like, is he going to ask me what I was wearing? Do you know what I mean? Like those things go through your head. Yeah. Um, the most respectful detective had the best experience possible considering. Um, and then I actually posted on Facebook on a feminist group that I'm part of and asked the people of the group, if women had ever experienced this, if they've ever reported it. And I would say like 10 people said this stuff, something similar had happened to them, never reported it. Mm. Um, and so I'm going to write an article for Feminist Wednesday about like, this is the link, you yeah. know, da, 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 Because the cool thing was, is that my detective was like, okay, like this is the space. Like we're going to, we're going to like look into this guy. We're going to like go to the train station. We're going to try to find him. We're going to look at the tapes um and so i was like wow they're actually gonna do something about it and that also felt very validating yeah because i mean how often are these men you know they're not getting caught so they're probably pushing it more and more i'm sure these are you know multiple offender type people so yeah so little psa of uh this shit happens to you first of all it sucks balls and like the first like five times I was on the train, I felt so sick. Yeah. Because it's like, it takes away your safety of just, it's such a part of our routine. Like you're on the train, you're off the train, like whatever. Yeah. Um, And I was like hyper, like crazy. I like would not sit next to any men. And I was like really in my head about it and like looking at everyone in the train. And like, I was like, what if I see him again? Yeah. You know, you're just, um, and so it's been a couple of weeks. I feel, I feel better taking the transit, but um, yeah, you have the power to report it. They will do something about it. Um, my advice if you're in that situation is to run, <laughs> is to run, is to do whatever you feel like doing to be safe. Safety is number one. 
Um, and then I would also document what train station you're at and what time it is because they have cameras everywhere and they can actually track and look and follow people's routines and stuff like that. So knowing what time you are, what station you're in, um, and then maybe writing or jotting down any like big details about the person. So yeah. But I'll write an article for Feminist Wednesday. People can find it. Oh, good for you for reporting And it, I texted lady. you after it happened. And I was like, ah! I was like freaking out. I was like, are you with Sal? What's happening? What's going on? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm at dinner theater. And I was oh like, what God, is happening? What, theater. what are you doing? But yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. You're amazing for going and reporting it. So I'm happy to hear that they validated you. I'm just doing, you know, my work, Diane. Feminist in your Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. What are you excited for? I'm excited for I feel like there's a lot of good movies coming out you know obviously we're going to be a little behind Black Panther will already have come out you're listening to the soundtrack in preparation oh my god I'm obsessed with the soundtrack Kendrick Lamar did the whole thing and it's amazing so I feel like we're right around the corner we keep talking about A Wrinkle in Time but it's it's there (laughs) every week I'm going to keep watching Queer Eye yes keep going it love it Um, anything you're yeah, I was kind of um, I was kind of digging around on the internet uh, last night, and apparently Elizabeth Moss is going to be in a new movie called Letters from Rosemary Kennedy. Mm. And Rosemary Kennedy was JFK's troubled older sister, oh who the God. family kept hidden. Do you know about this? Oh, I sure do. Oh my God! So <laughs> it's on Ken's list she, as well. She got a lo- they they gave her a lobotomy. <gasps> they gave her a lobotomy. And um, it didn't go well. And so she was kept in a crazy house for pretty much her entire life and just like completely shunned by the whole family, forgotten. Yeah, she's completely hidden from all public view. Mm -hmm. Why did they give her a lobotomy? Because she was a crazy woman. (laughs) She was 23 years old when she had the lobotomy. Yeah. I read about it. I I can't even. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Elizabeth Moss is going to be playing her in a new movie. Wow. So I'm very, very interested in this. Also, has anyone ever seen that um, Miss Maisel show on Amazon? No, but we Uh. need to watch it and do an um, episode. I feel like we would like it, and I keep getting ads for it, and I'm like, I keep forgetting I'll watch it, I swear. And Mary's like, every day, he's like, so you're going to watch Miss Maisel today? And I'm like, Let's do it. Let's watch it. (laughs) Who else is doing that Rosemary Kennedy movie? Who's, like, directing it or who wrote it? I didn't recognize the name of the director, so I didn't. It didn't internalize. She's the only like name that you could associate with that one. Yeah, okay. it's a movie or it's a show. Movie. Okay. That's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be great because that story is nuts. Has yeah. she been in movies? Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah, she's done a whole bunch of indies and stuff, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, it's nice to see her crushing the silver screen and crushing the other screens. And Absolutely. All the screens. Marvelous Miss mm-hmm. Maisel, another. House Cars alum, female alum, that's doing very well. Yeah, she's killing it. She mm-hmm. was Rachel in House of Cards. Yeah. Also, have you watched Professor one. Marston and the Wonder Women? Oh, I meant to bring that up. <laughs> no, I watched it? it. What is it? It's about show the man who created Wonder Woman. I'm into it. And it, he entered into, so he was married and he entered into a relationship with. A triple. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know all about him, but yeah. I haven't seen this. Yeah. So he based Wonder Woman on these two women, and his wife was a professor, very like cerebral, very intelligent, very like beautiful, like in her own kind of way. Yeah. And then the other woman is like very pretty. She's like very sweet. She's um uh yeah, just like he kind of just like melded them together. And it's about how he created it and how censorship um really tried to like keep Wonder Woman away from everyone. And it's just like interesting mm. to look at their relationship and the writing is like a little bit 
a little bit off the mark. Is but it a show? Is it a movie? movie? It's a movie. Where do I watch it? Did you it? watch it? Not yet, but I have it on my queue. Yeah. It's like, it's like the second thing on my queue. I yeah. gotta watch it. Yeah. Where yeah. do I watch it? I saw it on a plane, so I don't know where you watch it. <laughs> watch Kent will send me the link. I will. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Have you get, do you guys have any thoughts on this Quincy Jones interview? What Quincy Jones interview? Don't tell me Quincy Jones has done something bad. Are you serious? You he guys... like went on a wild like tangent of of all the things. I to be honest with you, I haven't even read it, but oh, I just guys. keep watching all of the um, you Facebook. So I haven't up been about... on Facebook in a week, and I feel like I can't live in this world without. You guys it. are missing. You guys really, really are, like you know things get blown out of proportion because things you know quote unquote break the internet, whatever. This thing is Bananas. so. This thing is bananas he just like talks like like it says all of the doesn't he just give away all secrets and yeah. all the he, he he just he's just like i'm i'm this 85 year old man now i'm so accomplished <laughs> in my it. life all i've ever done is tell the truth and the guy's like and it, it's like it's not even like he has to goad him into it he just like she's like hey mr jones how are you well you know michael jackson stole a bunch of his songs from, from all these people like just straight off the bat that's like the third question the third thing he says is michael jackson stole a bunch of these songs and then he just talks about how like marlon brando fucked these oh, other yeah yeah you yeah know, <laughs> fuck these other like richard Pryor's dad or whatever and um oh my god he apparently has like some kind of dirt on hillary but um he, he keeps saying like he's like oh yeah there's secrets there but he's like we can't talk about this in public we can't talk about this in public so it's crazy if you think about okay here is the stuff that he said for real that he was okay with saying in public but there's other stuff that he's like oh i can't say that <laughs> oh my god because <laughs> he's friends with the clintons you know yeah. so oh boy this is and it's not even a very long read but it's great it's I like, know, I keep hearing about mm, it. I'm and scared. then they it's... did an episode about it on the read. And I was like, I'll just listen to that and they'll tell me what to think about it. Oh, my God. Well, now I need to listen to this immediately. Well, we'll get back to you, Kent. Please do. What's your take on it's it? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's fucking nuts. I don't have any. There's. I feel like there's no take to have on it except like, wow. whoa, I want someone else to do a follow-up interview. <laughs> so he keeps doing this. I yeah. kind of. I mean, it's very salacious and tabloidy. You know, but uh, but at the same time, like I can't, I can't get enough. It's so it. interesting, though. I feel like people at the end of their lives or like the end of their careers, or to your point, like he's been in it. It's like, well, and here, people should. I mean, it's. I think it's an interesting concept to be like, shouldn't people know about these things before I peace out? Does he drop anything on Oprah? No, no mention okay. of Oprah. Uh, he he does get asked about Cosby because he's a friend of his. Yeah, and he he's like he's like I'm not gonna talk about that in public, man. Like he's like you know it is what it is, and I'm not gonna talk about it in public. He keeps using that phrase. He throws like shade at like all, like every, all modern music. He's like he's like do you like any of it? And he's like no. And he's like why? He's like because everybody's lazy now. Nobody understands music theory. Nobody understands music. Nobody you have to get music. You have to listen to like jazz and bossa nova and samba and all this stuff. And nobody knows any of that stuff. So everybody yeah. making music now is lazy, which I kind of agree. Yeah, with. I'm like preach Quincy Jones. <laughs> yeah, but please Fun. please read it on your trips wow. home, respective trips home. It's great. Love it. Um, I also just want to make one note. Um, R.I.P. Chelsea Handler's dogs. Oh, yeah. So sad. She's she, got new ones. I know. Congrats on the new birdie and I don't remember the other one's names. It's a roller coaster of emotion. Also, um, I can't stop watching Masterclass videos. The best. Just going to leave that there. And also, <laughs> Honda, get your shit together. You have your <laughs> that stupid commercial that keeps coming up on Hulu. We've oh, my God. I hate this commercial. It's like, men are the archers and women are 
the artists and like it's like all these female Ugh. male archetypes and then a white man like climbs his way to the top of this like trophy imaginary bullshit yeah it's we're quite, watching you quite Honda, terrible. get it together on that note thanks happy so much happy feminist Wednesday <laughs> <laughs>